Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ladies and gentlemen, April 5th, 2023, I am Matt Belinsky. This is your weekly dose of sanity, the prevailing narrative. And oh my God, did we have an insane day yesterday in a Manhattan courtroom while Donald Trump, the first ex-president ever indicted on criminal charges. Yes, I was wrong after the infinite number of claims and rumors of the walls just about to close in on Donald Trump and the rumors of an impending arrest or criminal charges. The first million or so were incorrect, and apparently the million and first ended up being correct, at least in terms of him being indicted. Um, but what's the strength of this case? Is this a political farce? Is this a disgrace? Is this prosecutorial abuse by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg? Uh, I think it is all those things. As Justin Amash, a former congressman who was a Republican and was so critical of Donald Trump, he essentially left the Republican Party, said, after reading D.A. Bragg's indictment of Trump and accompanying statement of facts, I'm stunning. I'm stunned any prosecutor would move forward with this. It's even flimsier than we were led to believe. 34 stacked counts bootstrapped to an unstated crime to manufacture felony charges. That's exactly what this was. Okay, this is pure political theater, except it's abuse of the legal system. And even beyond just an ex-president, this is a guy who is running for president once again. So it is against an active political opponent. And this is not a road that we want to go down. Uh, it's not healthy for America, and it helps nobody except Alvin Bragg and except the you know the view and the MB MSNBC wine ants who get a kick out of that so they can salivate over the thought of their ultimate their mortal enemy uh, in prison and they just get off on that and I'm, I'm sorry that is an abandonment of principles and your morals and ethics to satisfy your own bloodlust. So we'll get to the legalities of it all in just a moment, what the charges are, what the facts underlying them are, and why it's such a weak legal case, and I believe it is prosecutorial abuse in just a moment, but really in terms of what 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 the impact is on the social fabric and the political economy of America here and man I mean we just we all want to get away from Donald Trump and we all want to get away from Donald Trump's push and pull his tug of war with the resistance and the media and it's not helping anybody it's just dragging us further into the muck and and we can't get away this is just going to drag us further into that and into that quicksand as I've said many times before Donald Trump and the resistance and the media have this harmful symbiotic relationship it's like parasite and host can't necessarily say which one is the parasite and which one is the host. I guess that depends on the instance and the situation. But I think you get the point here. And, you know, Donald Trump, he feeds off relevance. He feeds off attention. And this definitely helps him in that regard because he ha his his big struggle recently has been relevance, right? After January 6th and after getting kicked off Facebook and Twitter um, and then being relegated to Truth Social, you know, beyond anything that he could muster on the so-called policy front in, in kind of formulating another political campaign, another run at the presidency in 2024, uh, the, the biggest fa the, the biggest detriment to him was that he was no longer relevant. He loves being the face uh, the face of uh, the news cycle. He loves being in the media, and he really and he benefits from portraying himself as the victim. That there is the establishment to the extent, yeah. And at various junctures, he has been correct in saying that there is an establishment, an entire political and media apparatus that is out to get him and is against the American people, and he is their champion. And as, as he says very often, they're coming after me because they want to get to you. And this validates every one of those claims of his and his stance and his portrayal of himself 
as the victim here. The way that some commentators have put it, Mike Benz, who is an election security expert, congratulations, a country already half off the edge of a legitimacy crisis because half the country doesn't trust the government or institutions anymore will now face a full-blown legitimacy crisis. You just lost 100 million people for generations today. Can't really argue that. Matt Taibbi, it's going to take a lot longer to undo the now inevitable trend of endless politicized indictments that it would have taken to just not do this, right? So what Taibbi is saying is, well, theoretically, for a number of, hey, you could go indict Donald Trump because he jailed walk theoretically and i'm sure there's under some predicate you could prosecute him as much as you possibly could for that crime right but but you don't necessarily do that you don't prosecute take every opportunity to prosecute political actors because the threshold's higher because the consequences are higher that's why james comey decided elected not to prosecute hillary clinton despite pretty clear evidence that she violated at least some laws okay did this surpass a threshold that not prosecuting this and not punishing this person would there would be a victim there would be some detriment to the social fabric and to to the body politic. Similarly, with Donald Trump's decision not to go and lock her up, okay, once he was in office, Donald Trump, and to his credit in this regard, I don't agree with everything he did, but one thing that I do agree with him on was to electing not to go prosecute Hillary Clinton there from his perch because he knew it would be bad for the country, and this is bad for the country, okay? We do not want tit-for-tat pro- utilizing the justice system to attack political opponents, which is also what the basis was for the second impeachment claim against Donald Trump that he was trying to you know essentially go use the uh, use uh, negotiations with Zelensky of the Ukraine to essentially go after and utilize the Ukrainian legal system to go after Joe Biden. It's the same thing that's happening here. This continued ex- escalation of violation of norms, and we wanted the American people want to get back to some sense of normalcy away from this parasite host relationship between the resistance and the media on one end and Donald Trump and MAGA on the other, and this just drags us further into that. And I think it's terrible. Uh, A guy named Joshua Green at Bloomberg, the way he put it, it is further exacerbated an intense hatred of Trump amongst Democrats, heightened skepticism about the Biden administration's impartiality and weakened an already dwindling public trust in government. Above it all, it has further degraded the social fabric of a nation that finds itself unable to move beyond the damaging, never ending controversies of its last president who could still be in spite of everything. It's next one. Okay, so the political prospects of Donald Trump. They certainly improved this week. Okay. Like, like I said, this guy feeds off relevance. He feeds off attention. He wasn't getting it. The reason that Ron DeSantis was was probably the favorite for the Republican nomination a month ago is because what did Trump have? What did Trump, as someone very uh, poignantly put it, Trump in 2016, he was successful because his message was, hey, you're getting fucked. And that message then evolved into, I'm getting fucked. And nobody really, other than the hardcore MAGA types, nobody was really so invested in Donald Trump that his message since January 6th has really been that appealing. And people in in that desire for normalcy were focused more on a guy like Ron DeSantis, who was going ahead and just racking up policy wins. Not that exciting a guy, not that controversial, despite what the media wants. Wants you to believe about him. He just goes about his business and does his job as governor and pretty effectively. And that's what seem, people seem to be thirsting for. Now that you're you're exercising all the arms of the law and the establishment and the institutions to go after Donald Trump on thin, if at all, at very best thin pretext, this now puts him right in, back in that position where he can go portray himself as the champion of the people up against the establishment and that engenders sympathy for him and he gets the attention that he thrives off of. So yeah, he is absolutely the front runner for the GOP nomination and we're most likely going to get the sequel, Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. 
in 2024, strong likelihood that we get the same. In 2020, we were wondering, Jesus Christ, is this the best we can do? These two guys were clearly past their prime, not all their faculties there. Nobody really had any enthusiasm about. And we're going to get the same rematch in 2024, just with these guys even four years older and even closer to the end and even more infirmed. That's most likely what we're going to get here. So I definitely think this helps Donald Trump's political uh, prospects. It certainly helps his fundraising prospects. He's fundraising a ton of money over the last couple days. You see his messaging. He's already selling the shirts. He didn't want a mugshot, but he did want to give it. He didn't have, he could have let his lawyer uh, uh, enter his plea of not guilty. He wanted to enter his plea of not guilty because he believes it's a good visual and it's something that he could use for merchandise and marketing collateral because that's how he thinks. Um, so that's what we're looking at on the political side. Yeah, uh, DeSantis, who I'm a big fan of, who I was pretty excited about being the GOP nomin- uh, nominee. Um, I don't know what he, where he goes from here. I don't know what he does. I mean, because if you try to go against Donald Trump within the uh, within the Republican Party, you now look like one of the members of the establishment who's attacking him. You validate everything that he's saying about everybody else. There's really no nowhere to go. I don't even know if DeSantis declares. I don't even know if he's going to run. And in that just uh, another situation, another cycle with no legitimate contender to either Joe Biden or Donald Trump. We are not sending our best folks. Ilya Shapiro is a lawyer and a writer, and I think it was really good on describing how this just hurts the American people all the way down the line. As he says, the big losers are the rule of law and the American people who get dragged ever more into the Trump versus anti-Trump muck rather than being able to focus on real issues. If you think Trump is a bad man who did bad things and doesn't deserve to be anywhere near public office, well, you're worse off now because he's a better bet to get the Republican presidential nomination. If, on the other hand, you think Trump can do no wrong, you're worse off too. Bragg's prosecution makes it less likely that Trump returns to the White House, even if it improves his cha- chances of being on the ballot in November 2024. I think that's actually true. Helps his chances of being the Republican nominee, but hurts his chance uh, chances of winning. And if you want to see American politics return to a quote-unquote normal state, well, you're also worse off for reasons I need not spell out. And yeah, that's the case. The, this was a defeat of normalcy. Anyone who was looking for normalcy, you just took a couple steps back yesterday. All for, and, and for what? Okay, what legitimate public interest are we trying to defend? Are we trying to establish? Who who are we trying to protect? Who is Alvin Bragg trying to protect? Was there a victim on the other end of the line? This was not a violent crime. It was not necessarily a financial crime. It's not like this was fraud. It's not like this was theft. So what is the legitimate legal public interest? What was the legal predicate for bringing this case? Okay, let's go back to the facts here. As Congressman Amash said, 34 stacked counts bootstrapped to an unstated crime to manufacture felony charges. That's exactly what's happening here. It all goes back to settlement payments. They all call it hush payments, hush money. But what happened was Stormy Daniels, another playmate named Karen McDougal, and a, apparently a Trump Towers uh, doorman threatened to release unflattering information about Donald Trump that he thought rightly would you know negatively impact his chances in the 2016 election. And he did something that is not a crime. He entered into agreements with them uh, that in a settlement agreement that included payments in exchange for confidentiality restrictions. There's nothing illegal about that. Absolutely nothing. OK, so where do the allegations of criminal uh, criminal activity come from is that essentially he had his lawyer, Michael Cohen, make the payments directly. Then he reimbursed Michael Cohen for the payments. And he claimed that the reimbursements were uh, were legal fees instead of acknowledging them as reimbursements, because that might have revealed 
that these were payments in exchange for the silence of the people on the other side of these deals. Okay, these deals happen all the time. Okay, there's nothing, once again, nothing illegal about them. You can pay someone in exchange for their silence. Okay, and just because you're a politician, just because you're in the middle of a campaign, that doesn't mean that you can't do it. There's no law saying that if you are running for president or some other office that you cannot pay someone, enter into a settlement with somebody voluntarily for them to keep their mouth shut about unflattering information. But that's what ha- that is what happened here. Michael Cohen made the payments. I think it was pretty stupid by Trump to do this. I mean, sure, someone might have discovered this stuff, but I mean, it's not like Trump's reputation was that clean to begin with. I mean, this was most likely going to come out one way or the other. And, and why get into all this monkey business with the falsification of the records? Anyways, those are what the false records are. And when they say 34 counts, essentially, these payments were uh, his payments to Cohen for the reimbursement were broken down into installment payments. So there, Bragg is trying to make another crime out of each installment installment payment, essentially saying if let's just say, for instance, $100,000 reimbursement that's falsely claimed as legal expenses, if it's $100,000 in total, that each broken down into 10 payments of $10,000, that each payment of $10,000 as entered in these records was in in and of itself a crime, which is, of course, ridiculous. That's just trying to trump up the charges for lack of a better better term. Um, So even beyond that, where the problems are legally with this case, okay, falsification of business records in and of itself is a misdemeanor. Misdemeanors have a statute of limitation of five years. We're beyond five years because the vast majority of these false entries were made in 2017. Okay, how do you drag uh, a misdemeanor, uh, this particular misdemeanor of falsification of business records, into a felony? If it is in furtherance of another crime, you can elevate it into a felony. Alvin Bragg claims that this is in furtherance of other crimes, but he doesn't state which ones those those are. Uh, and when queried about the one asked about this in his press conference after the indictment, he said, it's not legally required for me to include that in the indictment. So I didn't. He references potential campaign fi- finance violations that these payments were uh, uh, used to influence an election. Well, literally anything anyone does within the context of a campaign is done to influence an election. That is circular reasoning. OK. And once again, it is not influence. Tr- taking action to influence an election is not a crime in and of itself. Making payments in further of of a settlement to suppress unflattering information about you, also not a crime. Okay, so Alvin Bragg is trying to elevate this from a misdemeanor into a felony, one, in order to get around the statute of limitations, and two, because obviously the penalties are more severe for a a felony, um, by reference to other crimes that I guess he claims he's going to prove at trial, but he's not mentioning specifically right now. And to the extent that he is referencing what the other crimes would be, he's being very vague and he's mentioning things that as far as anyone that I, anyone conscious knows are not in and of themselves crimes. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. And we'll have more of the prevailing narrative after the break.
as Kevin McCarthy, a writer at the National Review, who's been very critical of Trump, as he says, Bragg's indictment fails to state a crime, not once, but 34 times. On that ground alone, the case should be dismissed before one ever gets to the facts that the statute of limitations is lapsed and that Bragg has no jurisdiction to enforce federal law. That's another point there. Election law is federal election law. OK, if you're trying to elevate this from a misdemeanor into a uh, into a felony based on uh, a violation of campaign finance laws, those are those are federal crimes, not state crimes, which Alvin Bragg has jurisdiction over. Bragg's indictment charges 34 counts, just as we said it would, based on media reporting that clearly came from illegal leaks from a grand jury. Once again, this was all leaked by the grand jury in advance, which is also a crime that Alvin Bragg doesn't seem to be too interested in prosecuting. A crime you can be sure that goes into the overflowing bucket of serious offenses that Bragg refuses to prosecute. The 34 counts are arrived at by taking what is a single course of conduct and absurdly slicing it into parts, each of each one of which is charged as a separate felony carrying its own potential four-year prison term. Once again, the 34 counts are arrived at by taking a single course of conduct and absurdly slicing it into parts. That is exactly what is happening here. Folks, anyone, I don't care how much you like or hate Donald Trump, okay? I think he's a buffoon. I'd like him to be floated out on an iceberg and never to be heard from again. This is prosecutorial abuse. This has been anti-republic stuff. This is a weaponization of the legal system against a political opponent. You know it. I know it. We all know it, okay? And it is disgusting and it is harmful to the social fabric of the United States and our political process, and it needs to stop, although it won't. Bragg has made it perfectly clear that he's going to pursue these claims. He's going to pursue these charges. And no matter how thin the legal pretext is, I, they're, they're on friendly territory here. You think a Manhattan jury, you think anyone who gets on a Manhattan jury is going to want to be discovered as one of the people who lets off Donald Trump, who's on a jury that, that acquits Donald Trump? I don't see how he gets a fair trial. I don't see it by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you're not you think you're going to go find any jurors that are courageous enough to get on a jury in that jurisdiction. These are people with lives. These are people with careers and families. You think you're going to get uh, enough people who are going to be able to be on that jury and give this guy a fair shake based on the law and the facts. I, I don't see it happening. I mean, and beyond that, you're looking at other aspects of this process that already seem stacked up against Trump. Look at the judge. The judge's name is Juan Mershon. Uh, he recently presided over a case involving the Trump Organization's CFO, who was found guilty on 17 counts related to conspiracy and fall, other falsification of business records uh, uh, regarding uh, regarding tax returns. Judge Marshawn's daughter worked on the Kamala Harris presidential campaign. I mean, this is clearly that's clearly a conflict of interest. This judge should be recusing themselves. OK, so as this plays out, I, I think Donald Trump is definitely going to try to get this case moved to a friendlier jurisdiction. We'll see if he succeeds there. If he doesn't, I don't like his prospects. We're going to see if he can get this judge disqualified or recused or pressure the judge. If he doesn't, I don't like his prospects and this does not look good for him. I mean, the the the, the factors, the facts are in Donald Trump's favor. The factors are not in Donald Trump's favor. And I think they're going to pursue this. I think they think they can get away with this. Um, and even the fact that they had the balls to bring this case in the first place seems to believe that they think that they can get away with this purely political persecution. And this is even more ridiculous because Alvin Bragg is one of these decarcerationists, George Soros funded. Oh, we're going to get to that in a second. Uh, district attorneys. OK, Alvin Bragg's entire shtick, the whole basis of his campaign and his tenure as district attorney is that we need to prosecute less crimes. He has pled. He, he has lowered 52 percent of felonies to misdemeanors. This goes in the complete opposite direction of what he's trying to do here. He's usually the one trying 
trying to take felonies, in many cases, violent felonies, in many cases, felonies that actually have a victim on the other side of the alleged crime and get them down to misdemeanors because he believes our criminal justice system is too punitive. And then here, uh, in betrayal of every principle that he uh, at least claims to espouse, he's trying to lay on 130 years for falsification of business records that he broke down into as many separate counts as he could potentially fathom out of the same course of conduct. That is what is happening here. It just adds to the overall absurdity of the situation in the first place. And what are we looking for out of the legal system? We're looking for consistent application. We want consistency. We don't want selective prosecution. We don't want arbitrary decisions, okay? Would any other person in this position who did what Donald Trump did, if their name was not Donald Trump, would Alvin Bragg be trying to bring this case against them? We all know that's not true. We all know this is selective prosecution, and it's an abuse of the legal system. Looking at other cases of other political actors, Hillary Clinton, once again, she committed a crime, okay? She destroyed She destroyed some of her files. Listen, and once again, that's not always, these are crimes that are not always prosecuted. James Comey, Comey said she acted extremely careless, but because it didn't rise to the level of gross negligence, which is also a very arbitrary and subjective standard that he wouldn't pursue a prosecution, okay? So you're letting off a bunch of other political actors. Bill Clinton perjured himself. Not, this was not a matter of interpretation. He lied under oath, and the legal system, the justice system's said, you know something, this is the president, this is someone that represents the interests of and the hopes and the dreams of a lot of people. It is not right for America to utilize, based on the level and the gravity of their crime. In this instance, we are going to elect not to prosecute them, just like Donald Trump elected not to prosecute Hillary Clinton, James Comey elected not to prosecute Hillary Clinton, and in this case, for a crime, for a potentially a crime that does not even come close to any of those other situations, they are going after Donald Trump for 130 years. And if we want a one-to-one, if we want a one-to-one comparison, Hillary Clinton's campaign falsified a business record regarding a payment to Christopher Steele regarding the the, uh, the Steele dossier, okay? She did the same crime. What? This, this is usually handled by a fine. This is usually a misdemeanor, okay? We all know to the extent that this, you could make the case, well, Donald Trump is not above the law. Okay, if he's not above the law, that prosecute this like a misdemeanor, give him a fine, which is what you do to everybody else in these types of scenarios, okay? If you want consistent application, if you want to see how the law uh, the law applies equally to everybody then this should have been prosecuted as a misdemeanor or acknowledge that you missed the statute of limitations Alvin and you can't prosecute this because you didn't prosecute it within five years and just simply lick your wounds and move on with your life instead they've used this ridiculous pretext to try to claim this is a felony to get around the statute of limitations and claim that this is a felony now, how's the opposition trying to spin this? How's Alvin Bragg? How are the Democrats? How's the resistance trying to spin this? This is actually not a thin legal case. This is actually strong, that there's actually an equal and consistent application of the law that is applied to other people other than Donald Trump that is now being applied to him. What are they saying? Uh, there was a New York Times op-ed, Norm Eisen, who's a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution, that's a dem- Democratic think tank, and they claim, they, the title of this is, we finally know the case against Donald Trump and it is strong. Okay, this is ridiculous. Look, the, the examples that they use to try to pretend that falsification of business records is prosecuted similarly as it is being prosecuted here. So they use a bunch of other situations to claim that, hey, the, the legal system, the Manhattan district attorney or other local district attorneys, they prosecute this this 
case similarly in other situations. In almost every one of these other situations, there's actual fraud, meaning there's a transaction of some sort where money was exchanged or there was some other type of crime where based on the fraudulent misrepresentations of the of the person being charged, then this was an underlying crime and that the falsification of the business record was in furtherance or was supportive of the fraud, fraud in general. Uh, for instance, they mentioned that the Rockland County District Attorney convicted the executive Richard Brega for falsifying business records by misrepresenting the source of funds that he funneled into a campaign. Oh, then you look at it, Richard Brega. Richard Brega pleads guilty to making a legal campaign donation in Rockland. Okay, so the actual crime was making an illegal campaign donation. So the falsification of the business record was only underlying that. And this guy was charged with 20 other crimes, including a number of financial crimes. That is not in any way an apt comparison to the Donald Trump scenario. Here are the other examples that they use. The Oneida County District Attorney charged a county political party chair, John Dode, with pilfering campaign funds and failing to properly account for them. Yes, because he pilfered them. He stole money. Okay, there was no money stolen here. Yes, if you falsify a business record in furtherance of hiding that you stole money from someone, the main crime is that you stole money from someone. The falsification of a business record is incidental and secondary. All they do is charge that just to layer on more counts because of the primary, the primary crime that's being alleged in the first place. Here, the main, the the falsification of business records is the primary count against Donald Trump, and they're just using the claim of another uh, of another crime oh, as a way to elevate it and actually prosecute it. That's not the case in any of these other examples. The Brooklyn District Attorney convicted Assembly Clarence Norman for soliciting illegal campaign contributions and for felony falsification of business records. Once again, soliciting illegal campaign contributions. Okay, he knowingly went above the maximum ca campaign contribution you could take from a number of his constituents. There was it was proven that he knew that, and then he falsified the business records underlying that. So once again, the actual crime was the main felony being charged, and the falsification of business records was just in support of that. It was in dental and secondary as opposed to primary, which is what is being done with Donald Trump right here. So all the spin is complete bullshit. Okay. You, the, the Manhattan district attorney, other district attorneys in America and the area, they do not prosecute this, this crime similarly at all. So as you can see, every one of these comparisons of every one of these other examples, they fall apart as soon as you subject them to any scrutiny whatsoever. And we'll have more of the prevailing narrative after the break. And then we have the utter absurdity, the utter, utter comical absurdity of this case being brought by Alvin Bragg, who got elected on a platform that we had too punitive of a justice system when we needed to prosecute crime less. OK, that's Alvin Bragg's whole shtick. He is a reformist DA. He's a decarcerationist. He doesn't prosecute a ton of violent crimes. As soon as he got elected, he issued a day one memo announcing that he would no longer prosecute low level crimes like fare evasion, prostitution or resisting arrest and would rely on, quote unquote, community solutions and supportive services to combat epidemic shoplifting. OK, this guy's whole shtick is we need to prosecute less crime. Ooh, lower level crimes that don't have a direct victim of a, a case of violence and even some violent crimes. If there's not blood. If you don't draw blood, we're not going to put you in jail because we have too many people in jail. That's what Alvin Bragg believes. That was his entire platform in getting elected. And now he's trying to throw Donald Trump in jail for 130 years for falsifying a business record based on a crime that didn't even occur. OK, this is utterly absurd. As I said before, Bragg has lowered. He's usually lowering felonies from felonies to misdemeanors. 52 percent. 
52% of felonies that otherwise would be charged in, in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, since he's been in office, has decided to reduce to a misdemeanor, okay? And do you not see the utter hypocrisy here? Do you not see the weaponization, how it's ridiculous, the lack of consistency, the selective prosecution? This is disgraceful. Oh, God. And then you want to get to the absurdity of apparently it's taboo to acknowledge basic objective undisputed facts that George Soros supports Alvin Bragg. He has financially contributed to him and financially contributes to any other variety of district attorneys that are reformists who believe the same thing, that believe that we have too punitive a justice system, that we have too many people in jail, and that we have to reduce the prison population irregardless of concerns of public safety because of that fact. George Soros openly and proudly funds these people and they keep on trying to tell you you're not supposed to acknowledge it. It's insane. So how is it happening here? A lot of the Republicans in response to these charges against Trump and Alvin Bragg's actions have labeled him and criticized Alvin Bragg as a quote unquote Soros DA, Trump, DeSantis, other Republicans. Uh, and then the, the liberal media, the usual suspects come out and say that that's an anti-Semitic trope. You are not allowed to criticize anything on the substance that George Soros does or acknowledging facts that he proudly admits to because apparently it's anti-Semitic. What, what is the basis for this whatsoever? Of course, there's no basis for it. There's no tangible basis. There's no rational uh, basis to it whatsoever. It's just there to deflect criticism. MSNBC, Mehdi Hassan, to call Bragg a Soros DA is just an offensive lie, an offensive anti-Semitic lie. Oh, really? George Soros donated $1 million to Color of Change PAC in 2021, and Soros's Open Society Policy Center donated $7 million to the group's 501c4 that year. Who gave half a million dollars to the Alvin Bragg campaign? Color of Change PAC, okay? That's how it works. Wealthy people, to get around other uh, uh, campaign contribution limits, they give to PACs that then give to, ca to candidates, okay? Soros gave to Color of Change, and uh, members of Color of Change have acknowledged, they openly acknowledge and admit that at least $500,000 of George Soros's money went directly to the Alvin Bragg campaign. George Soros was well aware that the Color of Change campaign was heavily supportive of Bragg. They endorsed Bragg a day before he gave the million dollars. And George Soros does not even dispute this. He acknowledges it. He's proud of it. He wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, Why I Support Reform Prosecutors, as Soros himself says. This is why I've supported the election and more recently the re-election of prosecutors who support reform. I have done it transparently and I have no intention of stopping. The funds I provide enable sub uh, sensible reform-minded candidates to receive a hearing from the public. Judging by the results, the public likes what it's hearing. Oh yeah, uh, aside from the fact that you're outspending all the opponents three to one, George, because uh, lightly funded district attorneys races are a good leverage point where money can make that big of an influence because there's not that mon much money to begin with in those races. Anyways, George Soros is openly admitting and is proudly admitting and acknowledging to funding these district attorneys and you're not allowed to acknowledge it you're not allowed to criticize it you're not allowed to say these people prosecute less crime are easy take it easier on violent offenders and many of those violent offenders are reoffending. okay this is happening over and over over the course of the last two years in new york over and over violent criminals who have rap sheets a mile long are getting rearrested for violent crimes for attacking people and because of the lax approach and the quote-unquote reform-minded approach that the George George Soros supported prosecutors take 
such as Alan Bragg, this keeps on making communities less safe. And you're not allowed. They're trying to tell you you're not allowed to acknowledge it. And you're not allowed to criticize it because that's anti-Semitic. This is complete and utter bullshit. He gave two point two five million to Kim Fox, the district attorney in Chicago. He gave two million to George uh, uh, to George Gascon, the district attorney in Los Angeles. He's doing this out in the open. It's well documented. It's irrefutable. And yet they say that you can't mention it. It's utter, utter bullshit. So we're just racking up the aspects of all of this that are completely and utterly absurd. And you're supposed to just ignore it. You're supposed to, because Donald Trump is crass and weird and a buffoon and talks too much shit and really should just run off into the sunset, because of all those things, you're supposed to just accept all this absurdity. You're supposed to accept the lies. You're supposed to accept the abuse of the criminal justice system. You're supposed to accept the weaponization of the law just because it's Donald Trump. Well, I'm sorry. I will not. I do not like Donald Trump. I never voted for him. I'm not going to vote for him in the future. I'd love for him to go away. But this is all complete and utter bullshit. And like I said before, I think it's going to work. I think they're going to get a they're going to get a conviction. Nobody in Manhattan, people on a jury, their life is over if you end up on a jury in Manhattan and it acquits Donald Trump. OK, so the only only shot that Donald Trump has is that if there is uh, judicial misconduct at the state at the uh, at in the actual trial in, at the Manhattan jurisdiction, that he can then go appeal it and get and, and gets overturned on appeal. And I think that's probably what is going to happen and why he probably won't end up in jail for any uh, extensive amount of time. But that's I. The smart money's on that happening, on them uh, abusing the legal system to get a conviction in the Manhattan courts and then him overturning it on appeal. So, hey, I have been wrong before, in particular on the fact that I thought the one millionth and one uh, first uh, rumor about Donald Trump being arrested was going to turn out the same way the first million did and it being just a rumor that never materialized. But this time it did materialize, obviously, as I have documented here in the most absurd way. So. Um, man, a dark day for America, just leading us further into division and in cynicism. And man, I'm a pretty cynical guy. So if things are getting too cynical for me, we're in trouble. Like I said, I've been wrong before. Hopefully I'll be wrong in that regard as well. And this process will run more clearly and we will get justice at the end of the day. So with all that, uh, hope you have enjoyed this primer on the prosecution of Donald Trump and uh, God bless America. I am Matt Belinsky. Once again, you can listen and subscribe to The Prevailing Narrative on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. Make sure to follow me on my socials at Matt Belinsky, M-A-T-T-B-I-L-I-N-S-K-Y. Thanks once again so much, everybody. This is The Prevailing Narrative.